Um, well, this morning I want to bring you just an encouragement today, something to encourage you as you go on your way. And it comes from some conversations that I've had with various different people this week who are just finding things a bit tough at the moment. You know, life is a bit tough. You know, we've been hearing on the news all about, um, you know, how we're in recession and, and cost of living has gone up and all different things. And it's just really tough at the moment. So I want to just bring you um, a word of encouragement and um, about a, a, a little something that I said very briefly um, the other day. Okay, I want to talk to you this morning about do you know that Jesus himself prays for you? Do you know that he prays for you? And uh, I was thinking about that and um, thinking about how wonderful it is when someone sends you a text message or a message and it just says, praying for you today. Oh, I've been praying for you. What an encouragement that is. You know, we've said goodbye to Joseph this morning. You'll know our son. He's gone off to London for a week on his own at 16. And I'm like, oh, and uh, it's been really nice to have like messages from people saying praying for him. Um, and uh, for us too, people come to us and said, we're praying for you. But I can't imagine how reassuring it would have been this morning to have gone to the post box and discovered there's a card in it from Jesus. And it said, I'm praying for Joe this morning and I'm praying for you. Wouldn't it be amazing if we got that and we read that? Um, but Jesus is praying for you. What an amazing thought. Think about that. Jesus is praying for you. So the question is, what does Jesus pray when he prays for you? What is he praying for you? Is he praying for you that you'd get that new car or that new house or the, what you want? Well, let's have a look this morning about what he is praying for us. We read what he prays for us in John chapter 17. So we're going to be looking at that in a moment. You know, there's the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, don't we? We know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, for many of us who are older, we will know that prayer and we will have said it so many times, even if it was just in school assembly. You know, we've sat there and we've had to say the prayer and recite the prayer. That's what we know as the Lord's Prayer. But if we were really accurate, if we wanted to be really precise, that's actually the disciples' prayer. That's actually the disciples' prayer. It wasn't even a prayer that Jesus prayed himself. The Lord's Prayer, as we know, is a response to what the disciples asked Jesus. They asked Jesus, how should we pray? Teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. It was an example to them of how our prayers should be. For example, Jesus prayed, and taught them to pray, forgive us our sins. But we know that Jesus never sinned. So Jesus didn't have to pray that prayer. He had no sin to be forgiven of. So it's the prayer of the disciples teaching them how to pray, teaching us how we should model our prayers when we pray. But here in John chapter 17, this is what I like to call the real Lord's Prayer. This is what Jesus prays to his disciples. This is the prayer that only Jesus could pray. And it gives us a little insight into his heart and to his desire for each one of us. Every single one of us here this morning, as well as his disciples. So we're going to start 
um, at verse 6. So he, Jesus prays for his disciples, John chapter 17. Now, it's a little bit of a difficult prayer to read. It seems like it goes backwards, forwards, bits and bobs. So just listen carefully and I'll read it slowly so we can kind of absorb it as I read it. So, Father, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world anymore, more than I am, any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Okay, that's quite a prayer this morning to read. And that's quite, there's so much within those verses today. But I just want to unpick a couple of key points that I think God really wants to challenge us, encourage us um, on this morning. Um, so here's what Jesus prayed, reminders to us today. Firstly, he prays for our protection he prays for our protection. Verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so they may be, as, be one as we are one. Jesus prays for your protection. He prays for our protection. Jesus prays that we would be protected. Now, we all know people, don't we, who um, have made a commitment to Jesus, 
who we see at church every single week. They're here all the time. They Month by month, they're here all the time. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, they disappear. Okay? They're no longer with us. They're, they're not around anywhere. They're gone. They don't answer their phone. Okay, they don't reply to emails. You send them WhatsApps. You know what's really annoying when you get those two little blue ticks and there's no reply. Okay, and you sit there and you wait and you know they've read it, but there's no reply. And it just seems like they've gone completely silent. There's nothing. Where did they go? What happened to them? What happened to those people? And then you kind of hear from others on the grapevine that they've kind of fallen away. They don't really have faith anymore. They don't really believe it anymore. They've kind of just slipped away. And uh, life's activities, situations, it just seems more attractive than being in church, being together, following Jesus. And maybe you think, could that happen to me? Could the same happen to me? You know, on those mornings when it's an effort, you know, it might not be so bad in the summer months, but when it's like tipping down with rain, the wind blowing against the window, and you're kind of in bed, and you're thinking, oh, can't really get to church this morning, you know? Could it happen to me? Or you go through something really tough, and life throws challenge after challenge after challenge at you, and you start thinking, God, where are you? Where are you again? Where are you again? Seriously, God, can I have a break from this? You know, you start thinking, could that happen to me? Could I be the one who's not here in a year's time? Well, here's the answer, and it may come as a bit of a surprise to you this morning. It's entirely up to you. It is entirely up to you. Okay, do you want to be next? Do you want to be the one who we don't see in a year's time? It's up to us. It's actually a choice and a decision because God has given us free will. We aren't robots. He doesn't make us love him. He doesn't make us, force us to follow him. It's our choice. It's our decision whether we stay close to God. Do we want to be safe? Do we want to have that protection that Jesus prays over us? Do we want to know the safety of God's love around us day by day? Then we have to do our part. You know, God does his part. God's done his part. We have a part to play too. It takes us both working together because the moment we stop moving forward, I've said this so many times, we start moving backwards. We don't stand still sometimes like we think we are. Actually, everyone else is moving forward and we're going further and further backwards. The moment we stop moving forward and pressing in for the things of God and asking God to show us more of him and wanting to go deeper, then actually we're going backwards. And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, if you ride a bicycle, Okay, I'm thinking back to my childhood. Okay, you rode your bicycle and you're pedaling fast. Maybe you're going downhill. Okay, I don't know. You're pedaling, pedaling, pedaling. When you take your feet off those pedals, okay, the bike doesn't stop. Okay, it keeps going and it can keep going at some speed for a while. You freewheel along. And then gradually as the road changes or whatever happens, it gets a bit steeper, the bike slows down. And it slows down, and it slows down, and it slows down till eventually it stops and you fall off. You literally would fall off. 
okay? And that's what it's like. You know, it's hugely unlikely, although it sometimes happens, for someone to wake up one morning and go, actually, I'm jacking everything in. I'm giving up my faith. I don't believe in God anymore. I'm going to go my own way. Sometimes it happens, but that's rare. That's very rare. Usually, how it works is that I'm too busy to read my Bible because I've got to spend an hour on Facebook. Or, you know, I can't come to church on Sunday mornings because I've got sports clubs. That's, that's just what I've got to do on a Sunday morning. It starts little by little. Gradually, we start loosening our grip on the things that we know are important to help us to go deeper, to grow deeper with God, little by little. If we want to be close to Jesus, then that's entirely up to you. That's entirely personal decision about how we walk with Jesus. We can't blame circumstances or people around us. We, it's our responsibility to keep close to Jesus. God does his part, but the problem is if we keep tugging, yanking away from God, you know, it's like he's got our hands, you know? Have you ever walked a child, you know, and you've walked along and the child's got your hand and it's the most lovely thing when you walk and the child's happy and you're holding their hand and you're chatting away and uh, it's just beautiful. But then, you know, like, suddenly that child might start tugging away. You know, you've all had to hold a child's hand who wants to get away, okay? Parents, you know, they're trying to get away. And if it's a dangerous situation, like on a busy road or something, you hold them even tighter, don't you? Because you don't want them to get away. But the problem is, if they're constantly tugging, constantly yanking, constantly, you know, trying to get away, eventually they'll slip through your hold, if they're really determined. God never lets go of our hands. He never, ever lets go of our hands. The question is, how tightly are we wanting to place our hand in his? Are we happy? Are we content in that place of walking in safety and protection and enjoying his company? That's how close he wants to walk with us. God is holding our hands. Are we holding on to God? God will keep you because he keeps his promises. He keeps his promises and he won't let you go. I'm going to read you Psalm 121. And uh, you might want to close your eyes as I read it and just see which bit of this psalm jumps out to you as I read it. Okay, So just listen carefully and see which bit jumps out to you. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Okay, there you go. God speaks to us. I hope something stood out to you because when God, God's word says, you know, it speaks to our heart, God's word, it's like a sword, you know, it pierces our heart, it speaks to us, it challenges us.
When I read that psalm through, the bit that challenged me was, if I want to be in the shade of God, I need to be close to him. He keeps us safe from the harsh sun. He shades us. And if you want to be in the shade of someone else, in someone else's shadow, have you ever done this? Particularly when you're children, you walk along and you go, ha ha, I'm walking on your head. Have you ever done that? Where you're walking on their head in the shadow on the pavement or I'm jumping on you or something. But you have to be pretty close to them. You can't be 10 meters away. You have to be pretty close to be able to jump on their shadow head. Okay, you've got to be close to them. And if you want to be in the shadow, if you want to be in the shade of God, then we have to be close to God. We have to be walking close to God. And if we're far from God, if we're distant from God, then that's when we have a problem. That's when problems start. You know, the Jewish priests were told to um, say this blessing over the Israelites repeatedly. And we know this blessing. We think we used to say it in church in Numbers 6. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Keep you, protect you, keep you safe. He wants to keep us safe. Jude 1.1 says, To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father, and kept, they're kept for Jesus Christ. Listen, I want to remind us this morning that we're safe. We're safe. We're protected. We're kept. And the word for protect here means to be continually kept. We're continually kept. God doesn't stop keeping us. He keeps us and he protects us. We're continually kept by God. It's a continuing result of actions, of a past action. Imagine, okay, I want you to imagine for a moment. Now, I think people over 40 can imagine this. People under 40, you're going to struggle. Just fantasize for a moment, okay? Imagine that you're in the position of being able to buy your own home, okay? <laughs> you can buy your own home, all right? And uh, you've had a mortgage, had your mortgage all your life, and you've been paying it off, paying your mortgage, paying your mortgage, paying your mortgage. Then you get a letter, you get a letter from the bank, and it says, you've finished paying your mortgage. whoop de doo your house is yours. You own your own home. You don't have to make payments anymore on your house. You own it. It's your house. How ridiculous would it be if you phoned up the bank and said, I would really like to continue paying my payments on my mortgage, okay? I would really like to live in the, in the house, but I'm going to continue paying you every month the same monthly payment. It would be ridiculous. You own it. It's yours to enjoy. It's yours to have freedom with, to enjoy it. And that's salvation. That's our salvation. It's paid for. Jesus paid for our salvation. We don't have to make any payments. It's purchased for us. It's a gift from God. And I really believe that some of us need to hear this today. We need to enjoy it. We need to live in the freedom of enjoying our salvation. We make it so heavy, such hard work. Oh, it's a big sacrifice to go to church and it's a big sacrifice to go home group tonight and I've been working all day. And it's a, We should be free to enjoy it. We've got salvation. We have eternity. We know a God who loves us. We've discovered the truth of living and life. And we need to enjoy it. 
We need to enjoy it. We need to relax and enjoy it so much more. It needs to affect everything that we do. Are you the person of joy in your work situation? Are you the person of joy in your family situation? Because you know that whatever happens, I have a God who loves me and I have eternity with him and I don't have to keep making payments on that. Are we the people enjoying our salvation? We can enjoy what God has given to us because we're not going to lose it. God has given it to us as a free gift. We are continually kept in Jesus. And I really think some of us need to understand that this morning. We can enjoy our salvation. We don't have to work at it. It's a free gift. And we can enjoy it today. We are continually kept in Jesus. There's another interesting twist in this prayer, in this prayer that Jesus prayed. Jesus mentions Judas in his prayer. He mentions Judas in verse 12. He says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. Doomed to destruction. The one doomed to destruction is Judas. The King James Version calls him the son of perdition, which if you translate that means the son of waste or the son of excrement. How lovely that is. Please, if you have a baby, do not call your child Judas because we don't want to do a dedication and say the meaning of the name. Okay? Um, but here you go. It's, it's just horrible, really. But why did Jesus say he did not lose him? He didn't lose him because he never had him. Okay? You can't lose something that you've never had. Jesus, Judas was never a believer to start with, even though he was a disciple, even though Jesus handpicked him, even though he could boast that he was a friend of Jesus because Jesus called him friend in the Garden of Gethsemane. But this was not a two-way friendship. This was not a two-way friendship. Judas, okay, never, ever um, had that love for Jesus in his heart. He always had in his heart to betray Jesus. And ultimately, the Bible says that Satan entered the heart of Judas. You see, Jesus keeps his children, but Judas was never one of God's children, never one of the children. It comes back to God does his part, and we have our part to play. We have our part to play. I can, can't keep myself saved. That's a free gift. I can't keep myself saved. God has given that. God has done that for us. But I can keep myself safe. I can keep myself safe in my faith and safe in the love of God. I don't need to keep myself saved. God saved me. It's a done deal. But I can keep myself safe. And what that means is to keep myself in the love of God. I can keep myself walking day by day in the love of God. Though God's love is unconditional, we don't deserve it. We, it's just a, an abundance of grace poured out upon our lives. There is, but it is possible for us to be walking out of sync with God's love and what he has for us. Jude reminds us to keep yourself Keep yourself in the love of God. He says, keep yourself away from those things that aren't like the characteristic of God, of love. 
Keep yourself away from those. Keep yourself away from the influences that make it difficult for us to stay in the love of God, that make it difficult for us to walk day by day in the love of God. Keep yourself safe in a place where you can show the love of God to others and it can be revealed um, among those around you. We all know some places where we're going to go where it's going to be difficult for us to be walking in the love of God. We know those places that are going to be difficult. And it's not going to encourage me to stay close to God. We want to run with others who will spur us on and encourage us in our faith. It's the same thing. If I hang around the bakery department at M&S, that is going to be no good for my diet. Okay, It's going to tempt me. Okay, I know that if I want to eat healthy, do not go to the bakery department of M&S because the donuts smell so good. Okay, it's just, I'm just going, it's not a great place. It's going to send me off track. It's the little subtle things that do it often rather than the bigger things. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's when he taught the disciples in what we call the Lord's Prayer, um, lead us not into temptation. Help us not to go down those rabbit holes, you know, that look so attractive and the smell just draws you in because it's so good. Um, but lead us not into temptation. Lead us not to those places. He's saying, help me not to put myself in that place where I know I'm going to go right down that rabbit hole and I'm going to be stuck there. Help me not to go to those places. So he prays for us that we will stay close to him that we will stay close to him, we'll stay literally in his shadow, in the shade. He's going to protect us and stay close to him. Secondly, he prays that we'll give our whole lives in service and dedication to God, that we will give our whole selves over to the dedication of God. In verse 13, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have full measure of my joy within them. There's that word again, that we may have full measure of joy within us. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. What a word. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. What does this mean? We live in the world Big revelation this morning, okay? But I do think we sometimes get this a bit squiffy, okay? We get this a bit wrong, okay? There's the earth and there's the world, okay? We live on the earth. We live on the earth that's been created by our awesome, amazing God, creator God, you know, just better than we can imagine, you know, like the beauty that we see around us. We live on the earth. When the Bible talks about the world... And us living in the world, he's talking about a mentality, a culture, okay? That is the world, talking about a way of thinking. And that is why the Bible calls the devil the god of this world. It's different to the earth. And 1 John 2 verse 16, the New Living Testament says this, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure a craving for everything we see, and pride in our own achievements and possessions. These things are not from the Father, but they are from the world. So Jesus is saying in verse 14 some really strong words. Here's an encouragement this morning. The world hates you. Thanks, Chrissy. Full of joy this morning. Um, the world hates you. That's no fun. No one wants to be hated. We want to be loved. 
You know, isn't it our greatest fear not to be liked? We all want to be liked and accepted. We want to be loved. But that's when we come to know Jesus, we're despised by the world. That's what the Bible tells us. We're despised by the world. Have you ever been to the cinema or the theatre? And there's that very exciting moment, isn't it, where you're sitting there and the lights go down and everyone goes, ooh, because it's about to start. Okay? And then some numpty turns on their mobile phone. Okay? And there's a bit of light that goes up in the middle of the darkness. And you want to chuck M&Ms at them okay? because they're just so annoying. You're like, Shh, go away. You want to be in the dark. That's what it, we're like. We're the irritating ones, okay? I just tell you that this morning. When someone comes into your bedroom, not many people come into my bedroom, but, you know, if someone does, right, and it's dark and they turn the light on, you're like, oh, you know, your face. You're like, I'm very happy in my dark little cosy place here. I don't want to be woken up by a bright light. I want to just stay in my little hovel of dark, in the little place of darkness, okay? You don't have to say anything to anyone. You're just annoying. You're irritating, okay? That's what you are, okay? You're irritating in a dark place, in a dark world. Don't be insulted. Be complimented by it because you're being the people that God is asking you to be and you have the character of Jesus, which is bringing challenge in that place. It's bringing challenge. Jesus said, blessed are those Uh, But are you, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I love that it says, who falsely say all kinds of evil against you. In other words, don't let people get mad at you because you are obnoxious or because you are annoying, or because you are irritating or rude, okay? That shouldn't be the way that we are, okay? Or just weird. Let it be because you follow Jesus, because your character is like Jesus, and that brings challenge to people around you. So you might be the only one speaking truth when others are being crude and rude, You might be the only one speaking about faithfulness when others are are, are doing things that aren't faithful to their partners or to others. You know, your character, let that be the thing that irritates. He said, Jesus says, I'm not going to take you out of the world. He said, I'm not going to take you out of the world. You know, can you imagine if Jesus had decided that the moment you gave your life to Jesus, you were raptured? So we stood here and we said, who would like to give their life to Jesus? And you say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Woof, you're gone. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine if you took, yeah, it would be quite awesome. It'd be wow, okay? You're sucked up to heaven and you're there and you're enjoying all the goodness of God. And you don't have to be in a world that hates you. Why would God choose to leave you here in the world where he says they're going to hate you? Why would he do that? He does it because he's chosen to reach the world through you. That is the biggest mystery in the Bible, that he's chosen us. And you know, if you're not sure why it's the biggest mystery, come and stand by me right now and look out. Okay, he's chosen you. He's chosen you to save Guernsey, to save the world around you. 
Okay, he's chosen us. What a mystery that is. He's chosen to show his love, sometimes usually through us talking and speaking, sometimes just through the character and the way that we are. You know, and that's why it's so important that we don't live in a bubble of believers. Okay, we can't just live in a bubble of believers. I want you to think about your week. How many times are you having coffee with other Christians? How many times? Um, but regularly, yeah, it's good, and it's good. I'm not saying these things are wrong. How many times are we listening to worship songs in our car, in our Christian car, brought by, from the Christian dealer, because they give us a nice deal because they go to church somewhere else, okay? How many times do we do those things, okay? And I'm not saying it's bad, because we need to spur one another on, and we need to spend time with people who are going to encourage us, but we should not be separating ourselves from the world, okay? How will people know if we don't tell them? Can I encourage you, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, last week I spent my entire week with Christians, then join a night class. This is a brilliant time. Think of September. What do you want to do? Pottery, music, birds are your thing. I don't know. Join something. Get to know people who aren't in the church. Okay? Go and have a coffee somewhere. Just sit on a wall somewhere and see what happens. Go and plonk yourself on your own and see who needs. Or say, go somewhere that's really busy and there's no seats and sit next to someone and say, sorry, can I sit with you? And see what happens. Just go and meet people. Do something that helps you to integrate and meet with people in the world. Um, otherwise, how will they be reached? So we have a choice. It's a choice on how we live. We can either isolate ourselves and decide, that's it, I'm safer in this little bubble. It's great. You know, years ago, we used to go off to festivals and things, and you spend a week, actually, I used to get sick of it because everyone's so kind and opens the door for each other and used to think, in the end, this isn't the real world. But, um, you know, like, you used to spend time with Christians all week, and then you think, you know, like, and it's great because it's safe. You know, sending Joseph off this morning, I know that if I was sending him off to a Christian festival, I'd be like, great, have a great time. But I'm sending him off to London on his own. And I'm like, Ooh! you know, like, go, go, go off. But that's what we're called to do, isn't it? To go off, have adventure, be with people. We have a choice. We can live in isolation where we're not in contact with anyone at all. But that's a huge mistake because the Bible says, how will they hear unless someone tells them? You know, we can end up imitating the world if we're not careful. We can end up, we don't also want to be um, just part of the world and doing everything that the world does. You know, you might be thinking, actually, my whole week was spent Monday to Friday, Saturday, every night drinks after work with my colleagues, and actually it was quite messy, and I know my language wasn't great. And, you know, it's not great to imitate and be part of the world. That's where Lucy and I were having a conversation this week about iron sharpening iron. That's where we do need each other to say, hey, you know, just have a think about that for a moment. Um, that's where we do need each other. But the best thing is for us to be out there, you know, permeating, infiltrating the world, being part of everything that's going on, but being Jesus in those situations, taking the character, the, nat the nature, the words of Jesus without compromising my values. So I will be that light, and I don't care if I'm irritating because I know that I'm bringing the nature of God, the character of God, the truth, the love of God into those situations. 
1 Peter 3.15 says, Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ your master. Be ready to speak. Be ready to speak and tell anyone who asks you why you are living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. Always with courtesy and respect and love for people. Be ready to tell them why you live the way you do. So what does Jesus pray for us this morning? What is he praying over you? What is he praying over each one of us individually today? What he's praying and interceding for the the Father for us today is that we will be protected, that we'll be safe, not just in a warm, cosy kind of, I'm warm and cosy and I'm safe and I'm protected, but that when we're going out and having those adventures, that he will keep us, he'll keep us close to him, that we'll be safe, that he's holding our hands. Even in those difficult situations, he's holding our hands, he's there with us, that we'll be protected so that we can be committed, we can be committed to the call that he has on our lives, that we're willing to say, I give everything, Jesus. I give everything because I know this is the call and I know I go in your love so that we can make a difference, so that we can infiltrate the world around us and we can make a difference to those around us.